0: Hey friends, welcome to the Threadcast. This is Ryan Smith, pastor at Common Thread Church. Hope your summer or your summer soon to be is getting ready to go well, or is going well, whatever it is you find yourself in. It's kind of weird, uh, Common Thread. We, you know, we we now have groups of people, different parts of the world, in the UK and stuff, and so it's hard. You know, you get used to talking about you know your local area. You know, here in Arkansas and you use good morning good afternoon or something but you know it doesn't apply to everybody so you don't want to leave anybody out so I always get caught in that and trying to figure out how best to do that and how to have those words um, even our summers are a little off so uh, yeah so there you have it um, welcome common thread and if you're just listening for the first time welcome as well we have started a new series that's going to cover um, June July and August um, uh, it's called campfire Stories, and we're looking specifically at Hebrews chapter 11. Now before I go any further, I do need to apologize. Um past three days, I've had like a scratchy voice. Um, my youngest son got sick and literally sneezed in my face. And I'm, I can remember the point Sarah saw it and he has gotten me uh, with a really scratchy voice. So um, I may have to cough or whatever, or I've got a drink here that's hopefully going to help me get through this. Um, hopefully i will be loud enough as well. But we're in this series in Hebrews chapter 11 telling these campfire stories, and Hebrews 11 is all about this idea of um, it's, a, it's a chapter on faith, right? And we've used it as the hall of heroes, um, people that we're supposed to look up to, but as we've talked about, you know, we need to recognize that these people um, are very um, ordinary. There's nothing, anything really unique about them other than the fact that they chose to have faith, right? As a matter of fact, a lot of them are were idiots. You know, a lot of them were people we would not hold up. You know, if they if, if they did those things today, we would not allow them to be pastors. We would not allow them to teach. We would not allow them to do what they did. And it would sure be hard to forgive them, um, to be honest, right? Um, that's just the, the culture we're in right now. But nevertheless, these people are in Scripture. They're there to inspire us. Um, and I think that's something we need to learn from and wrestle with. What does that look like just for us? But um, we started off in um, in Hebrews one and two, and we talked about just what faith is, right? And so, in one and two, we get the uh, in, we get the, the ultimate definition, the biblical definition, if you will, of what faith is. It says now, faith is co- now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were committed for, right? And so faith is this this hope this confidence in, in, in but it's this also this idea and there's the word assurance but it's an assurance in things that you can't touch right it's the things that, that don't make sense um and that's what's scary and we talked last week about what faith is not right you know it's not this this blind faith it's not this emotional faith and it's not a a knowledge faith either right you know it's not things we can list and I'm okay with those but there is this um yin yang kind of Uh, idea that it's an assurance that I know, but at the same time, I know that I don't know. Um, And that's the hard part in this. Um, But then, before we get into the the actual stories, and and next week we'll get into the Cain and Abel story, we talked specifically about um, these two guys and how they were in there, specifically Abel, right, Um, for his faith. But um, we talked last week also this idea in verse 3 that it says, by faith we... You know, and the the idea that we that we are a part of this chapter thirteen, that we have uh, the ability to continue writing this chapter of heroes, to be in the hall of hall, uh, to have what it means to be faith that we're included, that we're invited into this chapter. But before um, we get into the stories and our invitation, he gives a specific thing as to what faith is. Um, Faith is not primarily about believing facts it is about trusting in a person or a you know trusting in god so nor is faith a belief in a god it is believing in the one and only true god acknowledging this god as creator and understanding his work of creation as coming through his spoken word and so here's the important part <coughs> excuse me the important part about this idea of faith it's not a universalistic kind of idea that I just believe in this one great divine thing that's out there and you can start there right there there is this idea that we we, we start in this 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 place but there is a call to come to grips with the the one and true God um, the one we see in the Old Testament called Yahweh um, but again, what we call him the names that he goes by he goes by many names and so it's not you know it's not necessarily by name but it is in who he is and what he does and in verse three we get something very specific two specific things to wrestle with to think about in our faith in our belief in this divine one being right and so it says this by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, and so the two things that we get is that the universe, that matter, that creation was made by God's command or His speaking, and then also it was created out of nothing. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about kind of dive into those two those two points that God makes by speaking, and God makes from nothing. So Genesis 1, emphasis on God speaking. So so that's where we get this from. We get this from Genesis 1, chapter 1, um, and there's this this kind of great um, poetic rhythm in in the creation story um, that talks about God speaks, God says, God does this stuff. But I want you to hear this. Genesis 1, emphasis on God speaking does not in and of itself answer the question of how or when God created the heavens and the earth. I need you to hear that. Um, that that believing that God created through speaking doesn't necessarily tie you to a, a young earth uh, mentality. Um, and I know some people wrestle with that idea that, um so, he could have, for example, commanded intermediary or secondary processes um, in the process of creation, right? Uh, one great example we get of this um, in the creation story is that of Adam and Eve. And when he creates them, you know, it talks about um, with Adam, he takes this clay and he molds it, right? Now, is that literal? Is that something, you know, um, I. I think in some way there is a literal sense to this, um, but and that might be me just wanted to be literal, right? <laughs> but but I do think there's something intentional that 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 when he created Adam, when he created man, that I can I can picture that you know he he picks up this pi- piece of clay and. He begins molding it and shaping it, and the clay gets under his fingernails if he has fingernails. I don't know, you know, but but the, he he spends time um, making the nose. You know, I I had art in high school and we did some clay stuff and, and we tried to make a person and it was awful. But you know, for him to take and mold the nose and and, to, and I can even imagine God sticking his tongue out as he as he's thinking as he's creating the, this this perfect um, entity. That is us, you know. I see that that's what happens, you know. And then you talk about the creation of Eve, and you know that that uh, there's a little joke there that God is the first um, anesthesiologist, right? When he puts Adam to sleep, that kind of goopy stuff. But this idea um, that God, um, when he when he when, to believe in a God who speaks creation, doesn't limit you to the idea that he in speaking creation he uses he can use secondary processes as well, right? So this emphasis on God speaking does not deny his possible uses of other methods, natural or supernatural. Far more important is why God speaking is so central to both the author of Genesis and then, as we see here in Hebrews. And the answer, I believe, lies in God's purposes or or what he intended for Israel. Um, So a little history real quick when Moses um, wrote the Pentateuch, okay, or the law. So the Pentateuch, um, that word Pentateuch, it literally means five scrolls in Greek. Penta is five, took is the scrolls, right? It consists of the first five books of the Old Testament. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, the Jewish name for these books is the Torah. Maybe you've heard that word before, which means the law. Um. And, and so the Torah is more than just the Ten Commandments. And as I've as stated earlier, the authorship is believed to be Moses, with some evidence we can find in Deuteronomy and other places. Um, we, we do think maybe uh, some other people might have helped in some of this, but you can look at other references as well, right? Um, but Genesis is a part of the Pentateuch, right? And um, he wrote... We think he wrote the Pentateuch, specifically Genesis, the story of Genesis and the story of um, creation, while they are um, in the desert, while they are on their way to the Promised Land. Um, And so they're about to enter into the Promised Land, to the land of Canaan, right? And and who lives there? The Canaanites. Now, the Canaanites, remember, the, the Jewish people... They, they've left Egypt from from years of slavery they're not um, well trained they're not a, a fighting machine they don't have a great army they've been slaves you know they've been walking through the desert for 40, 40 years um, and they're getting ready to go into this land of Canaan and they've heard the, these people these Canaanites they are brutal they are militaristic they have great walls they have great chariots they have all these incredible things right um but most importantly, they knew that the Canaanites worshipped um, their own baals, their own gods, and in, in embracing the Canaanites, embracing their baals or their gods, they had their own creation story. And so, you know, part of the question is how how do you distinguish between their creation story and our create and the Israelite cre- creation story? Um, and this is where it's kind of interesting. Um, so. The Israelites have Yahweh, the, the, you know, the true God. The, the Canaanites have, um, who they believe that their creation story came from. Um, they borrowed it from the Acadians, um, Ak- Akkadian mythology, um, or Babylonian kind of, if, if you will, um, uh, and the Babylonian legends. They borrowed it from the Canaanites. You know, it's kind of all got mixed up and stuff. But basically, their creation story came from the struggle of uh, the supreme god Marduk. M-A-R-D-U-K, and Tiamat. Tiamat was a great sea monster. And they had a battle of the ages, that, that before there was creation, that Marduk and Tiamat um, went into this bloody extended battle. And Marduk finally becomes victorious, And he formed the earth and the heavens out of Tiamat's battered carcass. (laughs) Now, there's a bedtime story that you can share with your kids, right? You know, that he took the entrails and all this stuff and created the earth and stuff. But that is the story of creation of the Canaanites. And so in Moses writing his understanding of creation through the creation of Yahweh, can you imagine the... The um, the juxtaposition or whatever I'm sorry I'm tongue tied there but the, you know the can you imagine the um, almost the the punch in the gut of here's their creation story here's our creation story right and it's really this idea who would you rather have as your god would you rather have a god who's a bully who who destroys and and tears up and then or would you rather have a god who creates through speaking right um and so in in sharing this there's intentionality in understanding that god created through speaking that it, that and that he created um just by that power and and really um what's kind of interesting is later on like in psalms and stuff you can see references where they talk about the great sea monster, and so even in our creation story, that's even a slap in the face that <laughs> that uh, the guy that quote unquote was supposed to the heavens and, and earth were supposed to created out of. It from you know now they are they're already in our story as well. Um, so that's something interesting to think about. So first off, God creates through speaking is part of the faith process, but the second one is that God creates or makes things from nothing. Now. Um, there's a word for this. Um, I thought I'd grab a great, good graphic here for you to see, but it's not necessarily great. It's ex nihilo. Um, and it's this term that basically means creating from nothing. <coughs> um, excuse me. And so this is the idea. That, that So creation from nothing is not explicit just in Genesis 1. Um, the activity of the six creative days builds upon an earth that is without form and void. Um, There's a Hebrew saying called tohu Vabahoa. I'm not a great Hebrew speaker. um, But it's translated as the unformed and the unfilled. And so, um, or cloaked in darkness, if you will. And so, um, there's also this idea that in the Hebrew language and text we get um, is that there was, that the darkness was covered in water and brooded over by the Spirit. We see that in Genesis 1-2. So, Here's what's interesting now you might not have saw this but because water is mentioned before day one in Genesis 1 so Genesis 1 is inconclusive on the question of when matter was first created so we need to acknowledge that we don't know exactly when matter was created um, but we do see that water existed before um, before God said let there be light there was already water right so this is where Hebrews 11 helps. What is seen? When it says "What is seen," was not made out of things that are visible. We, as we read it, um, this explicitly describes that ex nihilo um, origin of matter. That God both creates matter and fashions it. Right, and this is essential. Um, this is this is this is huge in us understanding who God is and having faith in it. Right. Um, so, because. Um, if we were to conclude otherwise, then we are suggesting that matter is co-eternal with God, or, it, or we're elevating matter um, to a divine status, right? And this is where we start getting into conversations about naturalism um, and, and, and some things like that, or a pan, you know that pantheistic thought, um, which is opposite to what we read in Scripture. So there is this this call for us to wrestle with this idea that God creates things from nothing, that, that he didn't need it to already exist, that there is power in it, right? So the life of faith begins with trust in the God who makes from nothing and speaks things into existence. So do you believe that? That is the call to faith. And when you wrestle with the call to faith of, of, do I believe this? Um, There's this writer named J.B. Phillips who wrote this neat little small book called Your God is Too Small. And in it, he gives 17 caricatures of distorted perceptions of God. And then he says this, he asks this significant question. How big is your God? Is he big enough to stand at the edge of the darkness and speak, let there be light? Is he powerful enough to create all there is from nothing? Is he strong enough to stand opposed to all false deities, sending them scurrying away with a simple word? If so, he is big enough to carry you through the valley of the shadow of death and to warm you with the light of his love. He is strong enough even to build out of your empty life a temple for his indwelling spirit. And that is what we're charged with at the beginning of chapter 13, to recognize that these people that we're about to read about, it wasn't that they were supernatural or that they did these amazing feats. is that they wrestled with the concept of who God is and that he has the power to create from speaking and he has the power to create from nothing. But here's the important part. It wasn't just head knowledge, right? Because a lot of us that is what faith is that we can put our, our we can wrap our our minds around who God is and we can put it into this box and we can put it down to these these creeds or these statements that we believe in. But Jesus says, "Hey, even even the even the demons believe there's a God, right?" And so it's not about believing in this essence of God or having this head knowledge of God. What makes Um, Hebrews 11 is so powerful and what's put these people in, in this chapter is they took that faith and then they made choices in their life and they did something with it. And so faith is bound to also action. And that's the challenge for us as we close out this threadcast is to wrestle with how big our God is. Not how big do we believe our God is or how big can we describe our God, Right? But how big is our God by our actions? How do we, how do we wrestle with those, those moments, the, those darkness days as the valley of shadow and death? How do, we, how, do we, how do we handle those moments when it doesn't seem to be going right or when it is going right? Who do we give the power to and the glory to, right? That is what faith is about. And when you start hearing these questions, we, you know, as humans, we start beating ourselves up, right? Oh, I must have a small God because I don't have faith all the time. That's not what this is about, no. Um, because we all, we all, we all struggle with, with how big God truly is, and none of us will ever know how big he truly is. But that's what faith is about, is that we wrestle with that. And so don't beat yourself up this week. Um, because you think you might have a small god or you put him into a box, whatever it might is might be but to to I want you to wrestle with the idea if God can truly create from nothing and he can create by just speaking do I believe that right you know and that's something you need to to you know start with because that's what was laid out here but if I answer yes, then, how does that work with what I do day in day out, and my worries and the things that that make me have you know stomach pains or whatever it might be how do i how do I give that to God? How do I trust that he is in control? How do I trust when the days are darkest right? What am I going to do with that um yeah so so that's that's what we wrestle with and and I would love to hear. So so as we, if we have some conversations on faith life, you know, you can't just ask how big is your God, right? Because you can't write that out necessarily. But I'd love to hear just kind of your questions. What What questions come from, the statement that God is a God who creates through speaking, a God who speaks out of or creates out of nothing. What is that? What other questions pop into your head when you hear this? What do you wrestle with in this idea of faith? And I want you to understand: uh, you may not have the answers right now, right? And that, that's those are lifetime questions that we wrestle with. But there is this idea that that's where our faith begins. That's that's how we begin is is trusting in the one and true God, and then how our lives are lived out because of that. So, may you be people who are introduced to an eternal God who creates by speaking and creates from nothing. But more importantly, may you be people who allow those truths to help you make choices day in and day out. And may you be people who take those truths and live unconditionally. Through love and grace and peace. Have a good day.